0: Hi, this is Pastor Wilson. Thank you so much for joining our podcast, Renew Church OC, where we pre- present different sermon series that I hope will enrich your life. The next six weeks, we'll be going through our series, Unstuck, where we go through six stages of spiritual development and how we can progress from one stage to another while appreciating each stage that we're in. I hope it helps you on your spiritual journey as you get a landscape of where God is taking you now and where he's taking you in the years to come. God bless. On a scale of 1 to ten, one being the worst and 10 being the best, how do you feel when you hear the word discipline and why? Okay, go ahead and talk to people around you. And and if you're in youth, you guys can go ahead and head to the green room, junior high or high school. Uh, Irwin's going to have a special sermon for you guys.
1: Um, Hi, my name is Jonathan Whitmore. I'm not up here very often. Uh, My wife is, um, which is on purpose. Uh, But I am an elder here at Renew, and so Wilson asked me often to come up here, and I often tell him no. And so (laughs) I said, sure, I'll come up this time if you let Kristen come with me. So here I am. Um, Since you don't know me that well, I thought I would start by just sharing a story. And uh, this story goes back to my days in high school. Uh, high school was a pretty significant time in my life. It was actually when I um, chose to follow Jesus my junior year. And uh, kind of what paralleled that, though, was I was also an athlete in, in uh, high school. And so uh, my first two years, I, I played baseball, football, basketball, And I went to a big public high school, and parallel to my kind of conversion, my decision to follow Jesus, I switched high schools, and I went to a small Christian high school. And in doing so, I decided I was just going to play one sport, and so, because I love basketball, um, that's what I chose. So, you know, I was a kid, and moving from a big public high school to a small private high school, I kind of thought... Uh, I'm just going to throw on that Christian High uniform and I'm going to be on varsity. You know, that's just the way it works because I'm a junior. Well, I started practicing with the varsity team when I got to Christian High. Um, and uh, look at that guy. Oh and, <laughs> and when I, um, after a few practices, my coach came up to me and he said, Hey, Jonathan, um, actually, we're going to have you play JV this year. And... Um, that was like oh man fit to the stomach you know i was like what what's going on um and uh and so you know i ended up kind of submitting to his leadership and deciding okay i'll play jv and i still got to be on the varsity team i played i still played some mercy minutes that junior season but um i primarily played jv and uh and so and the reason uh that my coach asked me um, to play JV, you might imagine, is because as he saw me practicing, he was like, "Man, Jonathan doesn't know our system. He doesn't know how we play basketball here." And he knew that um, he knew what I didn't know. He he knew that just by putting on the Christian High jersey, it didn't mean that I automatically knew how to fit into the system. That I automatically was going to be a good player at Christian High. And so I needed to um, put some work in. I needed to to learn how to play for Christian High. And so it was a little embarrassing, to be honest. You know, like I was the new kid at this new high school. You know how it is in high school. And uh, it was humbling. Um, I dealt with doubts, you know, as I kind of went through this junior year. Like, was this even a good decision to switch high schools? Um, And uh, it was a lot of work. Like I said, it was difficult. And at times it felt fruitless. You know, I still had bad games. I still fouled people at times that I shouldn't. Um, but let me tell you what the result was. The result was I had an awesome senior year. It was like my best year of basketball ever. Um, I actually got to be co-captains with one of my best friends at the time of the of the varsity team. Um, we uh, <coughs> we did really well as a team. We went undefeated in league. We went to like semifinals of our county playoffs. Um, I won some awards during the season. I made an all-star team. All these things that I definitely was not thinking were going to happen as I was going through my junior season on JV. And so I share that with you, not just because I want you to know that about me, but also because like playing basketball, um, there are certain fundamentals that are necessary in our spiritual life for us to be able to grow um that when we last week Roy talked about stage one when we encounter Jesus um we have to learn a whole new system we have to learn a whole new way of living and so it takes discipline to do that and that's what we're going to talk about
2: all right thanks look at that handsome guy uh you know high school Kristen would have been pretty impressed with him but we didn't meet we didn't meet till college Um, Yeah, but Jonathan mentioned uh, Stage 1 and Roy speaking last week, and as a church, we're in a series right now um, based off of this book called The Critical Journey, Uh, but this isn't a standalone book. Um, This is based on something referred to as stage theory that's been really popular throughout church history, a lot of leading um, Christian, uh, a lot of Christian thought leaders throughout history. If you've ever heard reference the dark night of the soul, um, something that was written in the fourth century, um, has to do with the same thing. So it's been around a long time, and um, it looks a little bit like this, the way that we have it charted from this book. The um, next graphic shows sort of a map of our growth. So this is an an attempt to map our spiritual growth, and um, it's An opportunity for us to see the different stages that we walk through as we grow as a Christian. And so I want you to think of this like a journey, like this book is called The Critical Journey, and not so much like a trip. So when we take a trip, you know, we have a start date and an end date, starting point and end point. It's pretty neat. We have it planned where we want to stop and what we want to do. And a journey is a little bit less charted. There's Um, There's some free reign. It doesn't necessarily mean it has a start and an end date and all these clear paths, but um, it's a little bit more organic and paced a lot differently. And so it's not necessarily as neat as it looks on this uh, picture. The picture, the graphic is really nice and neat, but the process can be a little bit messier. Wilson referred to it last week less like, traveling through a circle and thinking of it more like an upward spiral, that as we grow in our faith and different visit these different stages and seasons, uh, we can be in more than one at a time. We can end up revisiting them. Part of our life might feel like it's one in one stage, while part of our life feels like it's in another one. Um, so it is different like that, but it is ordered, meaning we all start at stage one and then move to stage two, three, and go through each of the stages, however... One might be years of your growth. You might be in one stage for years. And you might skip to the next one in like a weekend. And so like this quote says, all journeys are similar, all are different. And so there's going to be things as we walk through this book, this series, that feel really relevant and similar to all of us. And some that are really unique to our personal journey and walk with Jesus. So each week as we introduce these different stages, We want to share some stories from our life, and we want to share a little bit about maybe what to take caution with, what dangers there might be in that season, and also some invitations. What invitations God might have for you, for me, in this season of growth. So last week, Roy talked about stage one, recognition of God. This is when we first come um, to know God and we have a greater awareness of who he is. A sense of awe and wonder that's really often partnered with a greater sense of our need for him, especially as Roy talked about in our relationship to sin. Um, we have a greater grasp of purpose and meaning and calling in our life. And I would say if last week or the stage one could be summarized by the phrase, I believe, this stage can be summarized by the phrase, I belong. Stage two is titled discipleship. It's marked by a hunger to learn and a space to belong. In this stage, we develop rhythms and disciplines, maybe like think about it with sports, like fundamentals, uh, that lead to growth. And these rhythms and um, routines are typically spurred on by our deep sense of community and belonging. And there can be a really great excitement in this stage, almost like a honeymoon phase, where you can't get enough Bible study. You are devouring podcasts and books. And um, you sign up for any and every uh, retreat or small group or opportunity for your community that you can. Uh, But of course, we know honeymoons don't last forever. I mean, except for ours, babe. (laughs) Uh, No, but honeymoons don't last forever. So this opportunity for growth is not just sustained by our appetite to grow, but really by the rhythms and structures and disciplines we put in place to help us continue on in that trajectory. Jonathan will talk more about that. So some stages that we'll talk about in the next few weeks are very personal and intimate, and it really is going to have you zoom in on your life and your relationship with God. And some are really communal. This one is a lot more communal, and the church plays a big, significant role at this stage. And if you've been around Renew a long time, you'll be able to see that as Renew, we put a lot of our effort and time and resources into this space and to providing opportunities and structures for us to grow. That daily Bible reading plan that Wilson just talked about, our small group weekly Bible studies, having life stage pastors, a retreat where we gather together as a community. These are all parts of those opportunities. Also, I wanted to mention, this is a stage that we can and should choose to revisit often in our spiritual growth, regardless if we see ourselves at a different stage or season. I think about when, um, after I had Lucy, when I was a new mom, um, everything was different. My normal went out the window. And in a lot of areas in life, I needed to learn the new normal with this lack of sleep and little person with me everywhere I went. I needed to revisit stage two in my spiritual development to learn new disciplines, new rhythms, new ways to see myself succeed and grow in my relationship with God. And so when I say disciplines or when we're talking about spiritual disciplines moving forward, I don't know what you guys shared in your groups, but some of you might have been talking more about discipline that was enforced upon you, which can be one way, like a limit is a form of discipline, but we're often using it to talk about rhythms or habits or routines. But it is discipline because we don't always enjoy them, but in this season you might. Uh, So some of these habits or rhythms or routines um, that are most common in this stage would be daily time with God, reading our Bible, learning to pray, um, gathering in our community and fellowship, and also um, the beginnings of Practicing silence and solitude and seeing what that might look like.
1: So an image that I think is helpful as we talk about this idea of spiritual discipline is the image of a trellis. And if you know what a trellis is, um, it's not that hard to explain. It's a bunch of wood that helps a plant grow upward. But here's a picture. If you think about a trellis and authors speak – Pete Schizero uses this. Uh, He talks about emotionally healthy spirituality leadership um, as a way to create a rule of life. What I like to think about is that vine or that plant, if it did not have the trellis, it would just grow snake along the ground, right? It would have no ability to grow upward. And in the same way, in our spiritual life, um, we want to build structures that help us grow upward towards God so that we can connect with him better. So I wanted to just quickly look at a passage. This isn't going to be a super deep dive, but I think it's important for us just to see where this comes out of Scripture. So 2 Timothy 2 is where we're going to be, uh, verses 1 through 7. It says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules." The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So just a little context. Um, this is Paul writing to his disciple, Timothy. Um, it's a letter. And Paul is in prison. Um, he's awaiting death. He has lived out a disciplined life. And he's now conveying, in fact, the whole book of 2 Timothy really is a good picture of um, someone disciplining someone to become more spiritual disciplined, more spiritually disciplined. Um, and there's again, just I'm going to bullet point a couple things here. We're not going to do a deep dive, but if you look at verse three, um, Paul begins this series of metaphors, and he starts with a soldier, and he says, "Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of, of Christ Jesus." I think about, you know, back to basketball, running suicides in practice. Um, going for a run today. I do not like going for runs. Fasting from a meal or from an, a number of meals. Um, maybe for Lent, in the season of Lent, you've given something up, right? Um, those are practices that we um, try, that we use to deny ourselves. Um, And what we're doing, I think, and what's important for us to recognize is that um, our physical lives uh, are inseparable from our spiritual life. Um, That those are not two things that come apart. And so um, it's important, I think, as we practice spiritual disciplines to realize that we're teaching our body how to die. We're teaching our body about death. And that shouldn't be unfamiliar to those of us that have followed Jesus for a while because we know that in Scripture we're told to take up our cross daily, right? And so part of this idea of suffering or uh, spiritual discipline is for us to come to terms with our limits, um, to, to daily recognize our mortality. Um, and that I would argue that, if you, uh, that because you can't separate physical from the spiritual, um, that our spiritual disciplines often are going to be played out physically. In verse four, Paul continues um, his soldier metaphor, and he says, "No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs." So I think here what we can point out is just that Paul, uh, like a soldier, is is telling Timothy that he's training for a new way of living, right? And when you're training for a new way of living, you got to stay focused. I had a choice my junior year of high school to stay focused on the training that I was receiving. And if I didn't stay focused, I probably wouldn't have kept playing my senior year. And in the same way, in our spiritual lives, um, it's not like if you divided your life into a pie chart that it would be like, yeah, 30% is my Christian part, right? That's not the way it works. It's that my following of Jesus now is an overlay into 100%, of what I do. And so I need to learn how to stay focused in different aspects of my life through the ups and downs of the week, um, and that's how we—that's why we implement spiritual disciplines. Verse 5, Paul moves on to the metaphor of an athlete, my favorite metaphor. Um, and I think what I want to pull from here is that, uh, as he says, you know, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. So discipline takes time, and it also takes repetition, okay? There's no shortcuts. Um, anyone who's become good at something, you know. You have to put in lots and lots of time, and there's, there's a lot of repetition that goes in. I specifically think of those of us that are parents. Um, we have two kids a six-year-old and a 14-year-old. And our six-year-old uh, on the daily would like iPad time. And so he gets iPad time for, you know, we tell Alexa, set a timer for 20 minutes. Inevitably, every single day when that timer goes off, Lincoln says, oh, I don't want to be done with the iPad, you know. And every day, we have to kind of get make a decision how we're going to handle that. Um, and, you know, there's kind of two temptations, right? One temptation is like, dude, I'm never going to let you on the iPad again. I'm throwing this thing out the window. The other temptation is like, go ahead, just keep going. Like, I don't want to deal with the whining, right? But we have to make a choice every day to, to give him a gentle response and to remind him why it's important for him to not continue to be on the screen all day long, right? Right? The beauty is now our 14 year old also has a screen, her phone, that she loves to be on. And we've set a limit for her too. So at nine o'clock every night, she has to turn her phone into us. And the cool thing is when we ask Lucy, hey Lucy, can you turn in your phone? She's like, yeah, sure. And it's because we've made the choice and not that Lucy's perfect and she does fight us sometimes, but that screen is not an issue for her the way our six year old is. And my hope is that by the time Lincoln is 14, it won't be an issue for him either, right? So it takes time, it takes repetition, and it takes perseverance on our part as we develop disciplines. Finally, in verse 6, Paul says, he talks about a farmer, and he says, the farmer should be the first one to get to taste the fruit of his work. And I think just simply, when we are persistent in spiritual disciplines, it will produce fruit. Not right away. But it will, just like in season, both here and in the life to come. Um, To be an expert at something, you guys probably know this. You maybe have heard of the 10,000-hour rule, right? So as we think about developing disciplines and that idea that it takes tireless, behind-the-scenes effort, um, we need to recognize that we live in a world that constantly teaches us the opposite. You know, we have these little devices with us all the time that really is just full of buttons. And, and you push a button and you get what you want, basically. I'm simplifying what a smartphone is, but that's kind of what it is, you know. Um, that's, direct opposite. that's directly opposite to this idea of developing disciplines. Another um, sports analogy for you. Uh, sometimes for us as Christians, when we think about developing discipline, We just kind of want to look like a Christian, right? It's like me putting on that Christian Hyde jersey. And so I think about a kid who wants to be like their favorite baseball player. As a kid, my favorite baseball player was Tony Gwynn. I grew up in San Diego. And, uh, you know, a kid, when they're trying to be like their favorite baseball player, what do they do? They buy their jersey. They buy their shoes. They buy the same glove. When they're playing in the game, they try to act like their favorite baseball player, right? So they slide in the way Tony Gwynn slides. They put their bat up, you know, the way that Tony Gwynn swings. But does that allow them to become like Tony Gwynn? No, of course not, right? Because they haven't put in the tireless, behind-the-scenes effort that it takes. In the same, that's the same thing for us as Christians. Um, a former pastor, a friend of mine, he would always say the Christian life Is like riding a bike uphill. Okay, so if you ever stop pedaling, you're going to start going backwards. And so whether you're a year in to this Christian life or 30 years in, you can't stop continuing to develop the disciplines. Um, We will never arrive this side of heaven.
2: Okay, I'm going to have us look um, a little bit closer at where this fits into this Season and stage of discipleship of Stage Two. And like I mentioned, we wanted to put before you some dangers and some invitations that we might notice when we're in this season of practicing spiritual disciplines and growing. And so as we are building disciplines in our life and routines and this trellis, and we find a place to belong in our community, this really allows us to gain a certain amount of security and certainty which is really wonderful and healthy and protective in our spiritual life. However, in this security and certainty, there is a caution that comes with it. And maybe a lot of us have have experienced this. Sometimes in our security and certainty, we can turn toward black and white thinking that leads to a judgmental and critical spirit. We see this in the Pharisees that loved and studied the law and used that as a burden. Uh, for those that were trying to follow Jesus and so um, you know I think of my friend Bob who for medical reasons had to give up caffeine and he told us later after that fact after his procedure he's like you know it wasn't even 24 hours into giving up caffeine that I was already looking at everyone else still addicted and judging them And uh, I felt that because I'm addicted to caffeine. I love my coffee too. But the antidote to this is not necessarily like everything's gray, right? We often think it's like black and white thinking or it's just like gray. But as my good friend Kimberly Leong said, she felt the invitation not from black and white thinking to gray, but to seeing in color. And what I think this looks like is an ability to, to have that security, assurance of our salvation, assurance of Our firm grasp in God's hand is totally biblical, but to be able to be assured by faith, but still embrace the mystery of God, to still embrace nuance, to see in color, to be able to extend grace to people that are seeing things different from us. Okay, another danger is when our security or certainty is built on a specific leader or community. And, um, you know, we see this, unfortunately, in news about Christian leaders in the church. Uh, When there's a specific leader who um, there's an exposed serious moral failure. And it can be really difficult and can really shake the faith of people that have built their faith and security around a specific leader. When they fall, what does that mean for my faith? Or I think about building our security on a certain community. What happens when there's conflict? What happens when people move? What happens when there's, when things shift and change in a community? And so the invitation really would be to build our security and our certainty not on a specific leader and not on a community because they really can't handle that. Uh, We're all just too finite and broken to handle that pressure. But to build it on God and his word that's unchanging. And really to begin to sense not just our belonging to our community, but our uniqueness in the way that God made us. And we'll learn more about that as the weeks come. And lastly, you know, as we grow, there's some people that just kind of get stuck and stall out at a certain stage, which is really like what this series, Unstuck, kind of alludes to. So what can keep us stuck at stage two is community hopping. So what I mean by that is we kind of get our list of greatest hits of here's what I want in my worship. Here's what I want in my teacher. Here's the podcast I'm going to listen to. I'm going to just kind of peruse different online services and gather what I want. I like this Friday night community here and this Wednesday night community here, and so When we find ourselves just hopping around to different communities, we're not really putting roots in a place that we're really allowed to flourish. And so, um, and what that leaves us at as is a consumer Christian, just looking around, figuring out where can I receive and where can I find for myself what it is that I desire in my walk with God. So the alternative, the invitation there is not just consuming, but contributing. And we're going to, I think it might be Kevin teaching next week, is going to share a little bit more about stage three, which is really the invitation to go from consuming to contributing. We start to learn more about and identify our spiritual gifts, our place in the whole body of Christ. We begin to seek responsibility and contributing instead of consuming. That's what stage three is, which is the productive life.
1: All right. Does that kind of move us towards the end, towards closing here, um, I do want to mention, I think, one pretty significant danger that can invade our efforts to develop a life of discipline, of spiritual disciplines. And that's just that um, our spiritual disciplines and our practicing of them does not equal earning salvation um, I think the enemy likes to get us to think that, especially when we're not doing very good when it comes to some of these disciplines. Um, and so I really want to, like, make sure you guys hear this. Um, Dallas Willard is one of my favorite authors, and I think he puts this well. He says, grace is opposed to earning, but not to effort. And so that's, a, that's just an easy thing for us to get confused about as Christians, that it's important for us um, to make effort. Um, and that's what we're talking about this morning is that once we discover who God is and how awesome he is, you we should start putting some, put that trellis, put some practices in place that would help us to know him more. However, um, that's not what saves us. That's not why we're rescued from death. And what I love about that is it's not, that's different than any other worldview, Um, If you talk to a Muslim or a Mormon or a Buddhist or really any other worldview, any other religious system, what it boils down to is that there are a series of certain things that you need to do, and then once you achieve those things, you'll get to heaven or you'll have a relationship with God or whatever. That's not biblical Christianity. Um, We are not saved because of our own efforts. Also, along with that, like most things in life, Um, there's a pendulum that can swing from one side to the other as we develop these disciplines, right? So especially when you're younger in your faith or maybe you just haven't spent a lot of time developing spiritual disciplines, your pendulum will probably swing further. And the more you practice, the less it's going to swing. And when I'm talking about a pendulum, I'm talking about on one side is legalism, right? So there's this idea of, um, man, I, I need to... Make sure I'm doing this right all the time, and then on the other side is um, lethargy, you know being lethargic and just not just kind of giving up I, I I don't need to earn my salvation, so I don't need disciplines right so it it takes practice to find our pendulum in the middle when I was in college, um, I remember I had some you know I had spent my first half of high school partying a lot and having my issues with alcohol, and so when I turned 21 in college, I decided I'm not going to drink alcohol, and so I didn't, and then in the following months, you know, my roommates and friends were turning 21, and they'd have their parties, and they'd, you know, have a couple drinks or whatever, and um, what I found in my heart in that season was that (laughs) uh, it wasn't actually that helpful for me to not drink. (laughs) As funny as that sounds, you don't hear that from up front very often in church. But, uh, but I just found that my heart was becoming very judgmental, and that actually that was probably worse. I was kind of starting to condemn some of my friends, even though they were just drinking moderately, you know, like um, in in a responsible way. And so I changed my stance. I remember, you know, maybe six months after I turned 21, um, I just started drinking a lot. No, just kidding. I didn't do that. I started allowing myself to have a beer or two or whatever, you know, when I would go out with my friends. And it totally changed. And so, you know, that's just an example of how sometimes that pendulum can swing too far one side. And we need to be careful of that. Just another kind of pro tip as you develop disciplines is to extend grace to yourself. Um, Don't be too hard on yourself. So, you know, when you think about especially the practice of spending time with God, so spending time in his word and praying, just carving out time on a daily basis to spend time with God. You don't have to start with 45 minutes. Um, if, if you just struggle to find that time, start with five minutes. Like just try five minutes because you know what's going to happen is if you actually consistently practice spending time with God for five minutes every day, you'll find that it's actually kind of an enjoyable time. And it's going to make you want to spend eight minutes or ten minutes pretty quickly. I bet you. So extend grace to yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. I feel like that's God's character. He wants to be gentle with you as you develop these disciplines. All right. I'm going to stop there and kind of lead us towards communion. Um, But as we do that, before you pick up your communion, why don't you just close your eyes for a second because I want to take us back to the gospel. And I want us to just think for a minute, just kind of sit still, and think about how did Jesus model discipline? When Jesus was on earth, how did he model discipline? Because the pressure is not on us. And what I want to share with you this morning is that um, Jesus has already done it for us. He's already gone through the most rigorous discipline possible. And the result is that he's given us the most wonderful fruit that we could ever experience, and that's relationship with him. In addition, he's given us his Holy Spirit. When he was on earth, before he ascended to heaven, he said he was going to give us his spirit to empower us so that we could learn discipline, so that we could know him more. So why don't you grab your communion elements, and I'll lead us through this. So before Jesus went to the cross, um, he was gathered with his disciples, and um, he took the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Um, Take this in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat the bread together. And then he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together.
2: Before we um, transition into a time of worship together, and actually during worship, Jonathan and I will be on the sides too, to offer prayer for anyone who would like it. Um, but we do often break up two different times in our service, like we did in the beginning uh, with our opening question, and we'd like to break up into those same groups right now. And um, what's cool is that passage that Jonathan just taught through, the very end, verse 7, says, Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And that's really the invitation of what to do right now. Um, we'd love for you to... Reflect on what God has said through His Word, and um, and allow Him to give you insight. So, if there's something that stood out as an invitation from the Lord, would you share that with each other and um, take time to pray? And then we'll go into worship together. Can do that now.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series, and we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor, or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood, whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I wanna to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together it's called the same boat we talk about relationships we just finished um a series on dating we think back to an english ministry church and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life i hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well and lastly if you're looking to partner with us on our website we have a give section you could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through um through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to, hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.